Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. My name is Grace Evans. I am not here today with Moses Bratchard, my co-host. And we have a little bit of a reason why, a little bit of a backstory why that is. Um, this is kind of an emergency an emergency episode because Roe v. Wade has been abolished. So exciting. I've been living through the best few days of my life thus far. Um, it's truly amazing. The reason I'm recording by myself is because Moses is out of office. I'm actually not at the office either. As you can probably tell if you're watching on YouTube, the background's a little bit different than normal. I apologize for that. But I'm still able to come on here and record this for you guys. I just think it's so important important that you guys are informed on this. I mean, it's just such a big day, such a big week for our country. It's so phenomenal. So by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll have been one week since Roe v. Wade is overturned by SCOTUS. Um, I'm recording this on a Monday though, the Monday after, after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I just, we will be having our legal counsel, Renee Carlson of True North Legal coming on here. Um, she will come on here and explain it from a legal standpoint. That will be in a few weeks to come. It will not be this week, not on this podcast episode, just because of everything going on. She's actually doing a meeting in like 20 minutes with some leg- some pastors from across Minnesota, um, just talking to them about this amazing historic precedent that the Supreme Court has just now set. First, I'm going to be talking about where I was when I heard the, the news about Dobbs, the news about Roe v. Wade, and what my reaction was, because I think this is this is the, t- the thing that we are all going to remember. Those of, those of you listening to this podcast episode, you guys are going to remember where you were when Roe v. Wade is overturned. You're going to look back and you're going to realize that it was one of the greatest wins for human rights in the history of our country. And I think many other Americans will too. We already, you and I already realized this. I mean, as soon as we heard the news, we knew it was this huge moment, historical win for our country, a huge win for for human rights. Now, there are many people that oppose us that don't see it that way right now, but I have confidence that in another 20 years and another 50 years, they will see it as a huge win for human rights. Um, so I'm going to talk about my reaction and when I'm talking, after I talk about my reaction, I want you guys to think about what your reaction was and write it down in a journal because these are truly historical times. These are unprecedented times. This is an amazing time to live through. It's a privilege to live through this moment. I mean, there are people out there that worked, have worked their entire lives. Some people have been working for 50 years to abolish this great evil from our nation. And I want to say that some of you listening, maybe you are some of those people that have worked for 50 years, or maybe it's been 40 years or 30 years. You guys have been in this fight for so long. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart because this would not have been possible with all of the groundwork that you have laid. It would not have been possible with all the prayers that you have uttered for the past 50 years, all the work that you've put into it, all the prayers you've uttered outside of Planned Parenthoods across our nation, and maybe here specifically in Minnesota, all of the rallies you've attended is because of your work. It is because of your prayers. It is because of you spreading the truth about the pro-life message that this has happened. And I'm relatively new to this movement. I am so young. I'm 21 years old and I've only really been in this battle for the past four years. I can't imagine being in this battle for 50 years because my reaction to this was so I was just in absolute tears, as you'll hear in a minute. Um, I can't I can't imagine being in this fight for that long. Thank you for being in this fight. Um, if you've been in it for that long, if you've only been in it for four years like me, maybe you've only been in it for a year, a few months, a few weeks, wherever you are in your pro-life activism journey, thank you for standing up for the most vulnerable. Thank you for standing up for women and children in need because right now they need your voice. 
we need your voice in the pro-life movement because there's a lot of women who are scared right now. They don't understand what's actually happening because there's a lot of misinformation being perpetuated by the abortion industry because you know what they want? They want women to be afraid. They want to manipulate women because they know when women are afraid that they can control women. But that's why we need you to speak louder. We need you to inspire so many people to speak up about this issue. So thank you. However long you've been in the fight, thank you for your work. We need you. Keep speaking up. Um, so anyways, that was a long intro. I'm going to be talking about my reaction. I'm going to be talking about what this decision means for Minnesota. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but I'll just say it as a reminder. I'll also brief you on our rally that we had the day the decision was released. That was last Friday by the time you're watching this. I'll brief you on that. I'll roll my speech because I gave a speech at the rally and it was so exciting to meet so many of you guys. Um, and I, as you can just tell when you watch the speech and you listen to it, I'm so excited. Like, I'm so excited. I feel like I'm coming off of an adrenaline high because this is truly just such an amazing week for our country. Um, so we'll roll that speech for you. I'll give you behind the scenes of the rally, some conversations I had with some pro-abortion activists, um, and some prayer actually that we were able to give to a hurting young man who's a pro-abortion activist at that rally. I'll also be talking briefly about the abortion industry's response to this ruling and some things that you can do right now to get involved in the fight for life. Um, all right, that's the rundown of the show. Let's go ahead and dive in. Um, first things first, where was I when I heard the decision about Dobbs? This is what went down. Also, I want you to think about, like I said before, think about where were, where you were on this historic day. Write it down in your journal. Write it down in your notes pod on your phone um, because this is a day to remember. This is a day you and I will tell our children and our grandchildren about. It is. So write that down. This is where I was. I was not expecting it to come last Friday. Let me tell you that. I was expecting it to come this Monday, the day I'm recording, actually, because I thought it would come on the last possible day so the Supreme Court justices could get out of um, get out of the area, be safe, escape with their family. So I was not expecting it to come on that day whatsoever. I was also somewhat skeptical that the decision would completely overturn Roe. I know I've been pretty positive here on the podcast. I've been positive on my social media. I've been promoting very, very exciting messages like Roe v. Wade will fall. I was a little bit skeptical that this case would completely overturn Roe v. Wade. I thought it would severely threaten it. And I knew that there was a high likelihood of Roe v. Wade being completely overturned. But with all the death threats the justices have been giving, their addresses have been posted, which is absolutely despicable. I mean, the school that Amy Coney Barrett's children go to, that address was posted so that people can go in and terrorize her children. I mean, all of these intimidation tactics by radical pro-abortion activists have been implemented. And so I thought, you know, the Supreme Court justices might be severely impacted by this. They might fear for the, I mean, I know that they fear for the safety of their family, but they, their votes might be swayed. Fortunately, my, my suspicion was wrong. Roe v. Wade was completely overturned. So anyways, I'm just setting the context for you. I did not expect it to be on that day. And I was not sure if it would go, if Roe v. Wade would be completely abolished, even though we got that draft opinion from Justice Alito. I was not sure so it really was a shock to me. Here's where I was. I was at the DMV. I was getting my license renewed. My dad and I were actually driving into work together. And so he was sitting in the car in the parking lot outside the DMV. I was sitting in the DMV. I had my little ticket. So I was waiting for my turn to go up and get my license renewed. And here's what went down. I was sitting on my phone doing a little bit of work, social media stuff, because that's what I usually do for MFC is I do a lot of their content and social media management. And suddenly I got a text from our attorney, Renee Carlson of True North Legal. And she said, we have Dobbs. And you guys, when she said we have Dobbs, I cannot explain to you how, how absolutely thrilled I was. It was that, it was that like feeling you get in your stomach where suddenly you can hardly breathe because you're so excited 
and your heart seems to be beating so slowly. You're just like, boom, boom, boom. Like you can feel it pounding. And then suddenly it starts beating faster and faster and faster. It was all that adrenaline suddenly rushing to me and I froze and I, I was so excited. And I, I, I just, I wasn't expecting to be on that day. I waited a few more seconds. Usually I'm on the SCOTUS blog, you guys. Usually every single day, possible decision day, up until now, I've been on the SCOTUS blog, refreshing, refreshing, um, waiting for the decision to come through because I wanted to see it on SCOTUS blog. But today, of course, I wasn't on there. I was at the DMV and I wasn't expecting it to happen. So usually I'm on there. Thankfully, our attorney was on the case. She knew what was happening. So a few seconds later, after that first text, I get a second text and she says, Roe v. Wade has been abolished. And you guys, in that moment, you, th you think my adrenaline was high before that, when I heard that we had Dobbs, when I heard that we had the decision, when I heard that Roe v. Wade was abolished, I, tears immediately began streaming down my cheeks. I, I just, they welled up in tears. I looked around me. I realized I can't cause a scene in the DMV. There's also police officers in the DMV, you guys, um, security police officers. And so I rushed out of the DMV as fast as I could. I ran as fast as I could to my dad who was waiting in the car. And my dad looks up at me and he's on the phone with an elder from our church. And he looks at me and he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong, Grace? What's wrong? Because I'm running towards him. And I, he, later he tells me he thought that someone had been shot or something inside the building because he had never seen that look on my face before. He had never seen that look. And so I run to him and I'm like, no, dad, nothing's wrong. Roe v. Wade has just been abolished. And it, tears are still streaming down my cheeks. Like I make it to the car and I tell him the good news. And he's shocked too because um, we just were not expecting it that day. Behind me comes a police officer comes running up and he's like, ma'am, ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? Because he saw me running out of the DMV. And I, I look at him and I say, thank you so much, officer. I am perfectly okay. This is the greatest day of my life so far. Roe v. Wade has just been abolished. I And tears streaming down my cheeks. And he kind of looks at me funny and he's like, okay, okay. And then he walks away. And I don't know if he didn't know what Roe v. Wade was or if he was confused as to why I was excited about that. Um... Either way, he walked away. Um, I felt bad for scaring him because I did go booking it out of the DMV. Um, anyways, that is how I found out. Again, I encourage you guys to write down how you guys found out about this because it's a historic moment. It's some, something we will always look back on. And we need to have those details to tell our children about and our grandchildren about. I'm so excited to tell my children and my grandchildren that I was on the front lines fighting for life, that I was able to pick up the torch that so many of you guys have fought for for so many more years than me. Some of you guys have been fighting this for longer than I've been alive. I mean, again, I'm 21 years old. Some of you guys have been fighting this for 50 years. That's more than double my lifetime. So uh, write, write down how you found out. I mean, it's just what a privilege it is to live through this moment. That's how I found out. Let's talk about what this decision means for the state of Minnesota. So there's a lot of misinformation going around. There's a lot of people saying there's no way that these few Supreme Court justices should be able to decide what a woman should do with her body. And you know, when people say that, it's kind of ridiculous because that's exactly what the Supreme Court justices said in their ruling. They said, it's not a constitutional thing. It's not up to us to decide this. All the Supreme Court justices did was they sent this decision back to the 50 states. So originally with Roe v. Wade in law, um, no state could completely outlaw abortion because Roe v. Wade was the precedent of the land. Now that they've out, now that they've overturned Roe v. Wade, the decisions all go back to the states immediately. So every single state gets to decide for themselves if they want if they want abortion to be legal, if they don't want it to be legal, how many weeks, how many months, up until how long can it be legal. Now that decision is completely in the hands of the states. So when people say, this is a terrible day, you know, these justices just decided something for everyone in the country. No, they didn't. They literally gave it back to the states to decide what to do.
of course, I want abortion to be illegal in every single state. So does Minnesota Family Council. Everyone on the staff wants that. That's what we're working towards. Um, that's our end goal. But why are people making this big fuss about it? It's because they're misinformed and they're also having this fear mongering. So here's what this decision means for the state of Minnesota. We've talked about this before, but again, a brief summary. I will have a video linked in the description below of Moses, uh, a video Moses did about Dovi Gomez, which is the 1995 decision here in Minnesota that codified that codified abortion into our Minnesota state constitution. So basically, Dovey Gomez is Minnesota's version of Roe v. Wade. We abolished Roe v. Wade on the federal level. No longer are we bound by that. However, we have our own Roe v. Wade in our state constitution. So um, because of that, nothing, effectively nothing changes here in the state of Minnesota. There are states around us where things are already changing. There are many states where abortion is going to be automatically illegal in because they have trigger laws. There are some states where it will be illegal up to a certain point. Um, like people can only get abortions up to six weeks, up to 12 weeks. And there will be some exceptions for rape or incest in certain states. Anyways, all that to say, each state will be deciding what to do. Here in Minnesota, nothing changes because we have very radical pro-abortion laws and we have Dovi Gomez codified into our state constitution. What, however, will I say nothing changes, something did change and that is our momentum. We suddenly, all the eyes are on us. The national eyes are on us and other states asking what we're going to do. Minnesota is a very purple state. So that means that Minnesota can swing red. It can swing blue. It can swing pro-life. Suddenly, everyone's talking about this. There's so many people talking about this issue now, now more than ever before. More Minnesotans are aware of this issue than ever before. And Minnesotans are going to start digging into the truth. They're going to start researching this issue for themselves. Because a lot of people in America and a lot of people in Minnesota... They think they support Roe v. Wade, but they don't actually know what it does. So when they look into what actually was Roe v. Wade, um, what actually is abortion, I think we're going to see a lot of hearts and minds changing. Now, that's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to happen um, because of brave people like you listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, speaking up about these issues, because there's going to be a lot of Minnesotans who are confused about what abortion is, about what resources there are available to women. And it's up to you and me to spread the truth to them, to let them know, um, to let them know the facts, because when they get the facts... When Minnesotans know the facts, they stand up for life. Most Minnesotans are horrified when they find out the reality of abortion. So that's our that's our role. Um, so for Minnesota, nothing changes right now, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to get loud about this issue, respectfully get loud. We're going to be compassionate, but we're going to get loud. We're going to talk about this in our workplaces, in our schools, in our churches. We're going to continue to support women in need, pregnant women in need. We're going to elect pro-life leaders. We're going to vote pro-life because we really need to vote in our local elections. Elections matter. We're going to vote in our bigger elections. We're going to make sure we vote for governor. And um, we're going to make sure that with every vote, we vote pro-life. It's so important to vote pro-life right now. Um, so that's what it means for Minnesota. So what I need you guys to do, if you're listening to this, I need you to keep the pressure on. I need you to keep the pressure on because suddenly we have this momentum. We cannot let this momentum go to waste. This is a pivotal moment for the history of Minnesota, for the history of our nation. If we rise up and we keep the pressure on, we keep people thinking about this issue, and we keep changing hearts and minds, we will see a pro-life Minnesota. This is the start of the pro-life revolution, let me tell you guys. All right, so I am going to uh, brief you quickly on the rally that we held at um, on the day that Roe v. Wade was abolished, and then I'm going to roll my speech. And you might hear a few things repeated that I just talked about that I talked about also in my speech. I can't remember exactly how much repetition there was. My speech, I was, you can just tell when I go up to give my speech, I'm so excited. I'm just beaming. I, like even my voice is just so excited because I was still in pure shock. I'm still in shock, honestly, but I was in even more shock. My adrenaline was so high. I was just so honored 
to be alive on that day to witness such a great win for human rights in our country and in our state. So here's the rally was called the Dobbs Decision Day Rally. It was led by our allies at Pro-Life Action Ministries. And we gathered an, a bunch of Minnesotans. We told them we're holding this rally in celebration of Roe v. Wade, the giant of Roe v. Wade being abolished. So a bunch of them attended and speakers from a lot of different organizations decided to speak there. Um, so I spoke on behalf of Minnesota Family Council. A bunch of other pro-life organizations had a spokesperson. And we basically just outlined our vision for a post-Roe Minnesota. And of course, there's a lot of strategy that I couldn't talk about in my speech because let me tell you, MFC has a lot of strategy going on right now. We have a lot of thoughts. We have a lot of gears turning. We can't make everything public to you guys yet because some things we don't want the opposition to know about yet. But let me tell you, when you guys hear about some of these things that we're, we're up to, you guys are going to be thrilled. There's going to be ways for you guys to get involved. So just you wait and we can share more about our strategy in the days, weeks and months to follow. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and roll the clip of my speech right now. Next, I'd like to invite Grace Evans with the Minnesota Family Council up. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for putting this all together. You know, before I walked up here, Representative Tim Miller said, make sure your feet aren't floating off the ground because I can just tell you're so excited and that you too, but I'm also just short, right? Anyways. Thank you so much for this opportunity, you all. I am honored to be here with you on this joyous day, a day that will go down in history as one of the greatest victories for human rights in the history of our nation. Thank you, thank you. We will tell our grandchildren that we were here in great celebration. But most importantly, we will tell them that as we rejoiced, we pushed all the harder. We raced all the faster. We continued to fight the war for human rights, even though we had won the first battle. And we will explain to them that America was not always a nation where every child is seen as worthy of unconditional love and sacred life. To ensure that our nation does not repeat the bloody history, we will tell them of how the abortion industry lied to women about their strength. We will remind them that no woman stands alone in our nation because each woman can confidently say that she has the support and care that she deserves and needs in our country. Because, she, because my children and my grandchildren will live in a nation in which the brutality of abortion is unthinkable because women feel so loved and so supported. It is undeniable that the abortion industry dehumanizes the preborn, but young women my age and younger are also dehumanized by the abortion industry. They are treated like pawns and seen as dollar signs by the abortion industry. It is absolutely gut-wrenching to me that so many young women have bought into this lie. The lie that women somehow need abortion to be empowered. Women are stronger than the abortion industry makes us out to be. Am I right? achieve our dreams and have children and our children are worthy of life they are never they are never antithetical to our success we will not stand by as the abortion industry tries to manipulate us in an era where we believe that we have made so much progress in an era that claims to uphold women's rights we are told that our children are unwanted Women are informed that pregnancy is parasitic, that our fertility is shameful, 
that motherhood is the greatest hindrance to our happiness. Most horrifyingly, we are told that our children ought to be discarded. But the women of the 21st century are rising up. We will not allow our children to be taken from us. Here is how I know that we are winning. Women are not fighting this battle alone. We're fighting alongside brave pro-life men. Let's give them a round of applause right now. Woo! We need you. Pro-life men, you make a huge difference which is why the abortion industry tries to silence you. They try to keep you out of this fight. They know your voice matters. Thank you for being in this fight with us women. In the days and weeks to come, we will be outspent by the opposition. Make no mistake about that. But I have great confidence that we can outnumber the opposition. You and I, we must arm ourselves with the facts the humanity of the preborn, the truth about what abortion really is, and the hope, the free hope, the pro-life movement gives to women in need. Hearts and minds change when they are confronted with the simple truths. I found that most Minnesotans are absolutely horrified when they understand the truth about abortion. So we must boldly speak up in our churches, in our workplaces, and in our schools. The stakes have never been higher. But our momentum has never been stronger! Now together, I know that you and I can keep the pressure on because that is our job right now. We can outnumber the opposition, but most importantly, you and I can outcompassion the opposition. That is how we win. Perfect love is undefeatable. Now, I want you to leave today as the most joyful people in our state. Have great hope and do not fear the darkness that stands against us. Amen. I know that you cannot fail in your, in your mission. We cannot fail in our mission. Because if you are standing here today in front of me, you are on the side of science. You are on the side of logic. You are on the side of democracy, of peace, of love, of medicine, of equality, and of basic human rights. has no ground to stand on. Look at them. They're desperate. They're yelling at us. They know we've won. They have only sinking mire. The pro-abortion side is the side of violence, lies, discrimination, ableism, eugenics, misogyny, exploitation, and death. Rest assured, we have everything going for us, and they have nothing going for them. Ultimately, they are without hope because they are on the wrong side of God's story. Here's the story that God is telling. Many have gone before us today in fighting for the unborn. For those of you who have been in this fight for 50 or more years, for about 50 years, maybe it's 30 years, maybe it's 40 years, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Some of you have been fighting this for longer than I've been alive. Now, I'm relatively new to this movement. I'm 21 years old. But I can assure you that my generation is willing and ready to take up this torch. We will continue this fight. Thank you. If we all work together, imagine what Minnesota could look like in another 50 years. We must never lose our hope. 
lose our courage or lose our compassion because there is a battle for women and there is a battle for Minnesota's children. And this battle is worth fighting for with every breath we take. Friends, you and I know that there should be more of us here. While we grieve for those lost to abortion, we remember again that humanity, compassion, science, and truth are all on our side. Most importantly, we can say with absolute clarity, God, who cares deeply about each of his image bearers, is on our side. You and I are here because we share the same vision for Minnesota. This is the dawn of the pro-life revolution. It is the dawn of a pro-life revolution. And one day, I have confidence that we will live in a state and a nation where women feel so supported and so loved that abortion is never even a thought that crosses their minds. Thank you. All right, as you guys can tell, my energy was so high. I was just so thrilled to be there. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to address so many pro-life Minnesotans. I was able to meet so many of you guys there. Thank you for showing up. I actually talked to one of our viewers who was listening to our episode Pro-Life Summer on the way there to the rally, which was our last week's episode. And he was like, I didn't get to finish the episode, Grace, but did you did you see Roe v. Wade get overturned while you were still podcasting? Um, and I said, no, unfortunately, we didn't. It would, have, it would have been amazing to get our reactions on camera. But I got to meet so many of you guys who listen to our podcast. Thank you for being there. Thank you for showing up for the pre-born. I also got to meet some of you guys that I that follow us on Instagram. And um, you guys said that you showed up just because you saw us, you liked our work on Instagram and you saw us alert you about the rally. So, so great to meet so many of you guys. Thank you for being there. Truly an honor to meet you guys. Um, I want to highlight one thing that happened at the rally, which was um, I, there were a lot of pro-abortion protesters. I mean, in the speech, I don't know if you could tell that much, but there were a lot of people yelling against me as I was speaking and yelling against the other people that were speaking. And um, there were a lot of pro-abortion people there that were protesting us. And a lot of them, they were yelling very vile things, doing vile things. Thankfully, no one got harmed. No one got physically harmed. We, there was a lot of verbal abuse, though, from pro-abortion activists, which was to be expected. Thankfully, the Church Ambassador Network, a lot of the men on that team came to help make sure that all the women were protected, which was awesome. Joshua Foster was there. My dad was there. Um, so they were there just to ensure that we had safety. The police were also alerted and were watching. So that was very helpful. But I... Um, a lot of them kept chanting, just talk to us, just talk to us. And you know me, like, I'm not afraid to talk to anyone who's pro-abortion. I will gladly have a civil conversation with someone who wants to have a conversation. And so I alerted a few of the men that were there and said, hey, I'm going to go over and talk to them. Can you guys just make sure I'm okay? And so I walked over with Josh, Pastor Joshua Foster of the Church Ambassador Network, who's amazing. And I said, hey, I heard that you guys wanted to talk. Who wants to talk to me? I'd love to have a conversation. And I talked to a young man who was there and it was really sad because you could tell that he was on drugs and you could tell that he was drunk. He kept actually drinking some, uh, I think tequila while he was talking to me and, or maybe it was white rum, but anyways, he, and then smoking his cigarettes too. So you could tell he was high, you could tell he was drunk. And he starts off by saying, first of all, I really like your necklace. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. That's very kind. And then he, he said, now here's the deal. I'm actually on both sides, which of course he's not because he was standing with the pro-abortion people. So I'm actually on pro, pro, I'm actually on both sides and I actually understand your position and I appreciate what you're doing. And I said, thank you. And then he explained a little bit about why, he, why he's pro-abortion, I guess. He was saying, you know what? I grew up in poverty. Grew up in poverty. 
I have been living on the streets, you know, and he just, he explained about a bunch of other things, a lot of colorful language too, not at, not directed at me, but just a lot of colorful language. And basically, uh, he was talking about all the suffering he's experienced in his life, and he said that I wish I had been aborted. And I said, for the record, I'm really glad that you weren't. And I don't think it's ever right for someone to make that decision for you. How would you feel if someone made the decision to kill you? Um, you wouldn't have been asked. Moreover, you don't know how your life is going to change in the future. You have the ability to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yes, we can talk about so many different programs, so many different ways in which our world needs to be changed. So many things that need to be fixed. Our foster care system needs to be reformed. Our immigration system needs to be reformed. But that I said, then I said to him and he kept emphasizing his suffering. And I said, I'm so sorry you've suffered. However, here's the bottom line. What you're advocating for is to get rid of the person who's suffering. You're trying to get rid of the sufferer rather than the suffering. What you're advocating for is to get rid of the person that will potentially suffer in life rather than getting rid of the terrible things that prey upon this person. And he kind of looked at me with his eyes glazed over and he realized that's the truth of what he was advocating for. And I said, you and I can have so many conversations about reform that needs to happen. But here's the bottom line. I don't think it's ever right to kill someone in the womb because they might suffer. Even if you were guaranteed beyond a shadow of doubt, they would have a hard life. That is not a good reason to kill that person. Let's work together towards getting rid of the suffering. Um, and you could just see him breaking down. You know, he's distraught. Uh, and, and then he said, you know what? I really respect you as a person. I really do. And then Pastor Joshua Foster, who was standing next to me, said, you're made in the image of God, brother. Um, you're made in the image of God. I believe you have value. And he started praying for him. And my dad walked over and they both started praying for him. I'll insert a picture right here um, of them praying for this young man who was high on drugs, smoking cigarettes, um, wished he had been aborted, which is so sad. And they were able to minister to him, to pray for him. That is the power right there of the Church Ambassador Network. I will have a link in the description right now of what other amazing things that that part of our initiative is up to. We have different initiatives. That's one of them, the Church Ambassador Network. So I will have that linked in the description below. Um, but it was just amazing to witness. And he teared up and cried. And eventually we had to go because we had to make sure all of the women were safely out. All the men had to escort, pro-life men had to escort the pro-life women to make sure no one was attacked. Um, but I'm just really glad that we were able to have the conversation. There was a lot of other things we talked about that I didn't get into, um, just because some things hard to talk about on the podcast, a little bit graphic, but, uh, it was great to be able to talk to him. And those are the kinds of conversations that need to be happening. You guys, there are a lot of hurting people out there and it's not like I have all of the answers, but I do know that, um, choosing life is always right. Choosing life is not always easy, but it is always right. And there's a lot of people that are unsure. They're unsure about why exactly they support it. There's a lot of people that think that they're in the middle, but they're not actually. And when you talk to them about that, they realize they're really on the wrong side. And the thing is, when I was talking to this young man, he was, we were getting drowned out by the opposition. Like the people that are pro-abortion, that were really nasty pro-abortion activists, were yelling rude things at both of us for even talking actually. And um, we're trying to drown out his comments and my comments. And one other thing I said to him actually before we left was, um, I said, you said that you're on both sides, sir, but if, if, you, if you're on both sides, like, I don't think you should be standing with them because they're trying to even drown out your voice. They don't want you to speak up. They don't want you to talk to me. They're against our, this discourse. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you're right, but, but they're just upset. They're just upset about this. And I said, maybe the reason they're upset is because they realize they've lost. Maybe the reason they're upset is because they realize they're on the wrong side of history. And he looked at me and he goes, maybe, maybe so. And so 
our job as pro-life activists is to plant those seeds, to have those conversations with the hurting, to help them when we can, to pray for them, to plant those seeds. And of course, to come alongside women who are in crisis pregnancies. So I would encourage you guys to do that. Um, and I think that's just a, that's just a testimony. One, just one part, one thing that happened at our rally. Um, there's a lot of other encouraging things that happened too. And of course that's sad too. It's not just encouraging, but it's, it's sad um, that he feels that way, that he wishes that he had been aborted. Um, it's really, really sad, but I'm glad that he wasn't. I'm glad that he, his mother chose life for him. Now let's quickly talk about the pro-abortion industry's response to everything that's gone down. Let me tell you, there has been so much fear mongering, you guys. And it really disturbs me because they say they're so pro-women. They say that they just want to support women. But what they're doing is they are coming out here and they are lying blatantly to women. They are lying to women. The pro-abortion industry, ever since the decision dropped on Friday, they've been saying women are going to, well, our president, President Biden of the United States literally came out and gave us, gave us speech. And he said, women are going to be dying because of this. Are, okay. This is the argument that they're using. They're saying that women are going to die from ectopic pregnancies. Now, an ectopic pregnancy is when a the baby implants in the fallopian tube rather than the uterine lining. When this happens, the baby will not survive. There is no chance of the baby surviving, tragically. The mother also will not survive if the baby is still within the with, within the fallopian tube. And so there is a procedure that must happen wherein the baby is removed from the fallopian tubes and is given a chance at life. Now, our medical technology is always progressing. And so the age of viability, it's constantly getting lower and lower. Um, and so one day, I believe that in most ectopic pregnancies, we will be able to save the baby. We will be able to bring the baby outside of the fallopian tubes into our world. And we will be able to give that and that baby will be able to live um, without any complications. However, we're not that advanced yet. Unfortunately, the baby is removed and that baby is put on the mother's chest in most cases. And the mother and the father usually are able to have um, a few moments with that baby before that baby tragically passes. But that baby is made comfortable. That baby is not brutally murdered. There is no saline ejection injected into the baby's heart or skull. They are not ripped limb from limb. They are not starved of nutrients. That All of those, those scenarios are what happens in an abortion. In an abortion, the goal is always to directly and intentionally end the life of the preborn child. When a baby is removed from an ectopic pregnancy, the goal is never to then the goal is never to intentionally and directly kill the child. The goal is always to one, save the life of the mother, to two, try as best they can to save the life of their child, even if they know it is completely futile. They remove the child peacefully and they try to give that child a chance to take his first breath, his or first her first breath. Now, undergoing an ectopic pregnancy, I'm sure it would be so devastating and so hard to go through. This is what the pro-abortion activists are saying. They're using this fear of women undergoing this. And they're saying, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, it will be illegal for you to, for you to get the care that you need. It will be illegal for your, for your baby to be removed from your fallopian tube. That is absolutely untrue. There is no pro-lifer that supports that. There is no legislation that has been proposed that supports that. And here's what I want you to do. Every pro-lifer supports care for an ectopic pregnancy because again the mother and the child will die both will die if the baby remains in the fallopian tube and there is a difference between abortion which is the direct and intentional killing of a child and the removal of a pre-born child from the fallopian tube here's what here's what you guys need to remember what you guys need to remember is that you are on the side of truth you make them cite where 
pro-lifers are saying this is going to happen. Where the legislation is, you make them bring you the exact line in the state legislation and you say, well, where does it say ectopic pregnancy care will be illegal? You make them cite that. And let me tell you, they will never be able to cite that because there is no pro-lifer who supports that. And if there was ever any legislation proposed that would make that sort of care illegal, every pro-lifer I know would stand up against it because that is not what we do not support. We do not support that. What we, what we are always against is again, we are always against the direct and intentional killing of an innocent child, but we are not against prenatal care. Ectopic pregnancy treatment is prenatal care. Um, the other thing that people are saying is that people are going to die from those ectopic pregnancies and that women are going to get, seek these back alley abortions, right? Oh, oh, actually, they're also saying that women are going to not be able to get miscarriage treatment which is very similar to the lie that they're pushing about ectopic pregnancies. This is so untrue. Again, no pro-lifer is saying women should be illegal, should, should be jailed for having a miscarriage. That is so rude to suggest that, honestly. There is no pro-lifer that suggests that. A lot of pro-abortion activists are saying that pro-lifers are for, if baby has tragically died and a woman has had a miscarriage, they're saying that pro-lifers are in favor of that baby having to stay, that dead baby having to stay inside the woman's womb for nine months. No, no pro-lifer is for that. We are absolutely for, the baby has already died in a miscarriage, tragically. Sometimes it's expelled naturally and sometimes it does have to be removed. The baby is already dead when a miscarriage occurs and it's very tragic. And to try to weaponize women in this way and to weaponize their fear is disgusting and despicable. And so make sure you know the facts about what a miscarriage is, what an ectopic pregnancy is, and you make them cite which legislation says that outlawing abortion is going to make getting ectopic care or miscarriage care illegal. It's nowhere. It's nowhere. It's a figment of their imagination and they're trying to hurt women. They're trying to manipulate women. Um, so, and they're also saying, oh, women are going to die from back alley abortions. Again, we've done an episode on this before. Are women going to die from illegal abortions if Roe is overturned? That was, I think, two episodes ago now. I'll have that link in the description below because I have a good response to that for you guys. And if you have any questions, again, about any of these things, please comment them. Please DM us on Instagram at MN Family Council. Um, all right. So the last thing I just want to talk about briefly, I don't want to make this too long of an episode, um, but... The question is, what can you guys do from here? Now, I kind of talked about this in the speech that I gave at the Dobbs Decision Day rally. And there's a few things you can do. One, pray, continue to pray. Prayer has got us this far. Prayer will continue us to the end. Prayer is so powerful. So pray, get on your hands and knees and get on your, get on your knees and pray um, every single day. And not only that, let's also act. Let, uh, let's support our pregnancy resource centers. Let's continue to do what the church has been doing for hundreds of years. Um, there's a lot of people saying, now is the time for the church to rise up. Now is the time for the church to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, guess what? Actual churches, true churches, have been the hands and feet of Jesus for years and years. Real churches, churches that are actually Christian churches, have been here for the pro-life movement, have been supporting women in crisis pregnancies for hundreds of years. I mean, in the Roman Empire, baby children, often baby girls, were thrown out into the streets if they were unwanted. Who were the ones that were going and rescuing those babies that were thrown out in the streets? It was the Christians. It's always been the Christians. This is the legacy of the church. So what I'm telling you to do is just to continue what you've been doing all along. 
I'm not saying start doing this. You've already been doing it if you're a Christian. Thank you for doing that. Continue to do that. Let's continue to do that. That doesn't mean there's not room for growth. Of course there is. Maybe you're at a church that is very pro-life that gets to pregnancy resource centers, but maybe there's a little bit more you can do. Maybe you can organize a diaper drive and you can be in charge of that. Maybe you can organize a baby formula drive. There's a lot of things that you can do. We're all creative. We're all different parts of the body of Christ. Maybe Maybe you are better at public speaking, but maybe this person is better at the creative side of things. If you're an artist, use your artistic talents for the glory of God, okay? Um, so make sure, let's just continue to do what we've been doing, and let's push harder. Let's push more. Um, let's keep the pressure on. And finally, speak up. I said this in my speech. Make sure you speak up. Speak the truth. Changing, um, Speaking the truth is essential to changing hearts and minds. That's what you and I need to do. When we speak the truth, hearts and minds change. That's the bottom line. And that is really what we need to do. We can out-compassion the opposition. We can and we will. And that is how we win this, this war. And rest assured, I know that you and I know that I will never stop fighting until we live in a Minnesota, until we live in a state where women and children feel so loved and supported that abortion is never even a thought that crosses their mind. That is one of my favorite things to say. That's the vision I have for Minnesota. That is the vision that Minnesota Family Council has for Minnesota. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I know it was a little bit different. Um, I hope that the audio is okay. And I will, Moses, will see you next week on the podcast with patients from our lead program. I will actually be out of state, um, but he will be on the podcast with her. They will be sharing about our lead program for teens. Again, you can register by going to leadminnesota.org. And then after another week, I will see you guys back. It'll be Moses and I back on the podcast. And we are so pumped for that, you guys. It's going to be a blast. I feel like it's been so long since I've seen him, um, but we're going to be back at it. We'll be reporting to you all the updates on what's gone down. So I'm excited to talk to you guys then. Um, until then, I want you guys to keep on fighting for life. Keep on fighting for life. Keep doing it. It's hard. It's right. And um, I know that you and I together can change the culture here in Minnesota. We can bring our culture of death to a culture of life. All right. Thank you so much for watching the Family Beacon podcast. My name is Grace Evans, and we will tune in next week for the next episode of the Family Beacon podcast. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts. Stand for truth. Thank you.